Hi, I'm Debony Morgan. Welcome to Zeitgeist's podcast, The Spirit of Now. Tonight, we're going to be talking with Phil Foster and Elizabeth Katona, who will be leading a group for us called Presence and Silence. And I would like you to get to know them and also get to know what will be happening with the group, because chances are good you're going to want to be there. So, Phil, let me start with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I sure will, Debony. Thanks so much for having us on and for Zeitgeist supporting the work. Absolutely. I am um, a semi-retired psychotherapist, which I've been doing for about 40 years now. And I came up through the seminary ranks. I'm an ordained Disciples of Christ clergy person. And during my sojourn, my life journey at almost 70 now, I um, had the opportunity to study with three different indigenous spiritual elders. And I'm also now a life-professed uh, ecumenical lay Cistercian of the Monastery of the Holy Spirit in Conyers, Georgia. So I've had a fairly circuitous path and met Elizabeth during some of that shamanic uh, indigenous spiritual training some years ago. Excellent. Elizabeth, can you tell us about yourself? I would love to, and again, I'd like to thank you as well, Deb, for having us here and doing this podcast. It's a wonderful opportunity. Sure. Um, I'm an alternative healing arts therapist, and I've been in practice for over 40 years here in the Atlanta area. I also do intuitive or psychic work, and I've been blessed with the ability to not in any way can I command it, but periodically I will get uh, mystical visions if something very important for me or someone I'm working with uh, happens to be present. So I'm also seen as a spiritual consultant um, by the community. I've been performing earth and heaven honoring ceremonies with indigenous elders since 1979. And um, I've studied and practiced shamanic healing and ceremonies with numerous, what I like to call wisdom keepers throughout the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've shared my teachings and my experiences by creating workshops, classes, and retreats throughout those 40 years. So um, I like to be very optimistic about the future of the earth and try to bring that with a lighthearted sense of humor to my workshops and classes and it's very easy to do that with Phil as my co-facilitator and I'm really grateful to Phil. I've known him now for about 20 years so we've been working on and off for the last 20 years um, just bringing our experiences and truth. Wow. So the first thing for people to know as they're considering the workshop is you're in good hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have been doing this for a while and you certainly um, know what you're doing and that's really, really exciting to have the opportunity for people to come and to be with you in that process. So that's exciting. But tell us a little bit about the group itself. What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? When I show up, what's going to happen? Do you want to start, Phil? Or? Well, I certainly can. Um... What will the group look like? That's a great question. Uh, The group will look like the people who show up. Um, The group will have some common elements from month to month. It will be a monthly group. 
and we will be meeting on the third Friday of every month beginning in February. I believe that's February the 21st. That's that correct. correct, February 21. February 21st. So there will be some ceremonial aspects. There will be an opening and closing ceremony. We will involve in the group uh, what is commonly called a talking circle in the group, wherein every participant in the group will, be, will have a period of time to speak heartfully about where they are, what their truth is, what they're experiencing, uh, why they're here, both in this moment, in this group, in this time, but in this place, in this time of life. Um, and the rest of us will simply hold space for that. We won't respond to that. We won't uh, give advice. We won't uh, give some great teaching about what people say. We'll simply practice presence by mm -hmm. being present and holding space for someone to tell their deepest truth in a group, in a community. Mm. That, will be, that will happen every week. We will also have a lengthy period, 20 to 30 minutes uh, most of the time. We'll see how the group is uh, with silence. Uh, silence being the great teacher and the original parent and the place from which everything arises and to grow deeper in our experience with silence. And then uh, toward the end of the group, before the closing, there will be uh, a period where we simply reflect again on how we are after the group and each person in the group will be given a period of brief period of time to say from their heart where they are now and uh, again without comment editorials teachings and simply to begin to hold space and learn what it is uh, to be present to one another what else would you add that was very good. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that, that I would add to that is that the reason for doing mm. this group mm. is, as I said earlier, Phil and I have worked together for about 20 years now, and one of the things that we talked about before um, putting this all together was there, there seems to be such a need in our chaotic world with what's happening um, around us with the government, with societies, with people, with all of the negative things that are focused on in the media and in the news. There seems to be such a strong need for us to find that peace, find that calm, bring balance back to this world again. And how can mm. we do that? Mm. And the easiest way of doing that, from my perspective, is to take the time to stop focusing so much on what is happening and to go back inward into our own selves, into that place of stillness and silence so that we can get centered once again within our true selves of who and what we are and why we're here. And I've never really felt like we have a strong community that allows for that, regardless of people's religious 
beliefs or philosophies, but for us as human beings to come together. And what Phil and I wanted to do was create a space that felt like community, that supports one another in going into that stillness, because it's really not something that our culture supports. We're, we're constantly bombarded with information that um, the world of form, in form Asian. We've become a form nation of people and we've not been taught to go into that place of stillness or, or nothing. And what I know from my own experience and from working with so many indigenous people throughout the decades is that it is that non-form, that no-thing part of our own being that often holds the answers and certainly holds the balance to what it is that we need in our culture and in our world today. So that's the big reason for creating this group and we call it presence and silence because we will be going into that silent aspect of ourself and be as fully present not just with one another but within that silence as we can possibly be. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Can you unpack for some of our listeners who might not be as familiar with the language, can you say a little bit more about the no thing and that that the diving deep into that say more about what what that, what that means or what that is, yeah. Okay, well, I can say it from my own perspective, <clears throat> and I'm sure that everyone has their own idea or experience of what that is, but this is going to be a very experiential um, gathering because we want everyone, as individual as everyone is, there are going to be individual experiences of what going into that no thing is. And I think today there is again because our culture is not one that really supports that there's a lot of mystery about that with people and they think that you have to be in a far east religion as it were or something that has automatically taught that within their culture but it's not really true because it's it's like taking the world of form and a world of nothing and, and, what, and what's the world of form the world of form is the world that we see around us it's it's the human body it is the the streets and the buildings and the sun and the moon and the stars it's form we can see it and we are so focused on that and our culture tells us to be so focused on that that we forget that there's another aspect of ourself and it's the world of being the world of space the world of stillness the world that is not form and that's why i call it it's a thing that is not a thing. It's nothing. The world of nothing. And it's these two polarities that are very organically a part of who we are. But because our culture has never really taught us to focus on the nothing, the formless, the emptiness, we get varied un until we start looking into it, until we start learning about it, we find it to be very mysterious and and what I would like for people to know is that this is no more mysterious than birthing or the creation of a seed that turns into a tree. 
it is simply it's it's the miraculous part of our being that is full of nothing Mm -hmm. that is a part of who we are and we want to create the space where people can start to explore that if they've never done that before because what I know from my own experience and it's very very vital to me to bring this information this knowledge to others is that it is in going into that nothing realm that spirit realm and many people many belief structures have many many names for it Mm. but it is through going into it entering into it being present with it that we can truly find answers that we can never find in the world of form and many things that are happening in our world that is created around us that the media wants to focus on and and uh, many things that we hear our neighbors saying and our community saying many things are always thrown up to us as problems as what are we going to do about these problems as as well as within our own personal lives this is a problem what am i going to do with this problem and what i've found in my years of practicing with the indigenous people is that when you can learn to just be still be present, not have any expectations of what that's supposed to look like, but just allow it. It's a very natural place to go to. We all have it. And therefore, it really is a very easy place to go to. And if we go into that place, we can find the answers that studying and creating from this formed world, from what the media tells us about, we can find the answers to this problem much more quickly and much more fully resolved by going into this stillness. And that too is a part of who we are as humanity, as human beings. It's a part, however, like I said, that we have not been supported to explore and experience in our culture. Right, very much so, very much so. John Donahue calls it a, a, an excavation of interiority. It's good, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I think a lot of people might say, you know, oh, I'm familiar with the depression or the anxiety or um, problems in my relationships, but I'm not as familiar with this nothing that you're talking mm-hmm. about with this silence. It, it might have the mm-hmm. potential to be frightening for somebody who has not um, had that experience yet. So let me throw that out to you. What do you say to people who would be interested in coming and learning from you and being part of this group, but this might be something new and potentially nerve-wracking? <laughs> well, I think the, the, uh, the simple response to that is probably yes, that's correct. It, it can be nerve-wracking simply because we are not, we, we devalue the um, introspective and contemplative aspects um, uh, of who we are as, uh, as earthlings. And uh, we certainly culturally, um, almost the global culture at this point, not simply Western culture, but the global culture, 
uh, really devalues that. Now, that has not always been the case, as Elizabeth indicated, our indigenous uh, elders, which their traditions go back at least 10,000 years. And, and certainly the mystical and contemplative aspects of all the major religions uh, point to this, that there is something um, uh, essential about the silence and the nothingness and the void within, uh, out of which everything emerges. So yeah, we're not familiar with it, and of course we are never comfortable with what we are unfamiliar with. Um, I want to go to The Simpsons all of a sudden, <laughs> and Marge Simpson talking with the jazz saxophonist who is tutoring young Lisa on the saxophone. And, she says, Lisa, come away from that jazz man, I, you know. And she looks at him and says, it's not you personally, I'm just afraid of the different. <laughs> we, all, we, we all are, and, and our culture has devalued this to the point um, where we're, we're really disconnected from our essential self. One of the things I love about being able to do this kind of group and make this kind of safe space to experience this for others uh, with zeitgeist is because that's part of the uh, the zeitgeist, the mindset, the gestalt of the group and the work that you're doing is that at, at our core there is something um, essential about this that we may not be, we may struggle with expressing but we can experience the more familiar we grow with it uh, the easier it becomes. There's always trepidation in these groups. There's always, uh, you know, I'll be going through, Elizabeth won't, of course, but I'll be going through, <laughs> oh gosh, what am I trying to do? I'm teaching again. I'm facilitating again. Am I good enough? Am I That's the culture talking. That is not the essential self. That is not the silence. And in silence and in a steady practice of presence and silence, we begin to observe, we begin to watch that these thoughts, these feelings, fear, anxiety, depression, are emerging out of silence. And we begin to grow more accustomed to saying, oh, I, can, I see that it's there. And it becomes more and more of a choice. It becomes more and more of our engaging our larger self and we find that we're less anxious, we're less fearful, we're less depressed, we're less running all these comparisons and the competition that, that our culture teaches us. So it makes some sense that people are, have some anxiety and, and some fear about this. Uh, what we discover as we develop a practice is that uh, we grow more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot like everything else. If you want to get strong, you go to the gym and you do reps. If you want to develop a spiritual life, it's not a part-time. It's constant. It's how we peel the potatoes. Are we bringing presence and silence to peeling the potatoes? Uh, we get on 285 and we get agitated because we're in traffic and it's dangerous and we're scared and we get 
uh, aggressive because that's what happens in our culture. That's what we're programmed to do. We begin to watch that. We begin to not be so identified so that we're freer. And I think freedom is a, a huge piece of what silence brings to us. We are freer to engage our energies more meaningfully in our lives, more consciously and more intentionally, which makes us come alive. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. So you've you've answered the question that I intended to ask next, which is what is the importance of this group? And you, and you certainly have made that really clear, but want to throw that out in case there are any other angles that you mm-hmm. wanted to highlight. Um, about you know what somebody might walk away with after their participation. One of the things that I'm aware of, Debony, is that um, our society, our culture, the way that we are in humanity um, throughout the world right now, it's, we're really constantly bombarded with how we're different, how we're separate from one another. Yeah. And I think there's very little support in how we're connected to one another. And one of the things that is very apparent when practicing going into that stillness, going into that silence after a while, is that we really are one huge cell called the Earth and we're connected to everything and everyone on this form creation called the earth and we begin to discover instead of what separates us and makes us different what connects us and makes us unified which in turn feeds into our ability to be tolerant, which in turn feeds into our ability to Mm. be compassionate, Mm. which in turn feeds into our ability to be fully present with another human being who might have at the level of looking at form, who might have an entirely different opinion or belief structure or concept, but because we've been in the silence we know that that's okay because we're connected to that other human being. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean because we differ in opinions or ideas, it doesn't mean that they're our adversary. It doesn't mean that they are our foe. It simply means mm-hmm. that we've found the connection, the way to identify with and say instead of, oh, that's frightening, that's horrible, that you don't believe as I do, we can then look at this person and go, I find that curious. I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Help me understand better. And so we see with practice of going into the stillness that it's, it's much more easy to be tolerable, to be curious, rather than immediately go into fear to approach another person or situation Mm. with curiosity and love, loving curiosity, to educate myself more in being compassionate and understanding where this person might be coming from or where this country or government might be coming from 
Mm-hmm. Where is it and how is it that they have turned to adopt mm. these ideas and beliefs that are different from my own? And how can we find that unifying connection again between all of us? Right. And you, you mentioned compassion. And I know earlier we were talking about the beauty of um, etymology and sort of dissecting words. And we had talked about compassion. So can, can you say some more about that? I think Phil was the one that had the word compassion that came up. I had the In- information. information. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, the Buddhists have some things right, and one of the things they've, they have right is that life is suffering. Uh, we will always suffer. If you're enlightened, you still suffer, uh, whatever enlightenment m- might mean. <laughs> Uh, if you develop a, a practice of presence and silence in your life, you will still suffer. Uh, having said that, the issue is how are we with the suffering? Um, how how do how are we with that? Life is great joy and great suffering. To hold both of those things is where we uh, one of the places, the place perhaps, uh, is in being present, being silent. Uh, allowing that essence that sees how it all fits together. And I don't mean that we have things figured out. It's much more experiential. It's not a mental aspect. And it certainly isn't uh, repetition. So compassion, it seems to me, passion, if we want a passionate life, passion means suffering. Mm. And I think it's a good idea to have a passionate life. Passionate life means to be engaged. It means to be engaged with all of ourselves, including simply being present in silence. We have plenty of opinions, plenty of beliefs, uh, plenty of uh, doctrines and uh, just opinions. We all have them these days. But as Elizabeth was saying, when we come from that deeper sense of self, then what happens is we we have this innate curiosity. It's an innocence. it's, it's the awe of being a child. Uh, children are naturally compassionate. You know, if they see some, another child hurt, they're, they're going to respond in a compassionate way. They do it naturally. Um, those of us uh, who are older than children, we, we have an us and them. We have a reptilian brain mindset. We also are blessed with a, a, a cerebral cortex that mirrors the fractilian, unfolding, beautiful evolutionary quality of whatever silence is doing here. So compassion has to do with the way in which we see our connections. We realize that we are all the same even though we may have myriad, almost infinite um, manifestations of how we suffer and how we experience that. What we have in common is our ability, at our essence, uh, to respond, to be with passion, to be with suffering. It's an essential part of this life. We don't wear little empty tombs around our necks as Christians. We wear crosses around our neck. Uh, We do that for a reason, because unconsciously in the collectivity, we know that we are one. We know that. And I don't mean intellectually, though we can intellectually grasp that. But to the group, uh, and not just our group, but thousands and myriads of groups around the world, that's your optimistic approach, uh, Elizabeth, with, with uh, 
uh, how life is. We, we, we struggle a lot. We have a lot of suffering right now. Having said that, we also, there's a great deal of optimism. There's a great deal of, there's always this great deal of hope. And part of that is that universally, and we see it in Iran, we see it in Taiwan right now, we see it in America, in our difficulty with our dialogue right now. That's a yearning for this deep, compassionate place wherein we identify with the other and we're curious about the other. We have this childlike innocence about, oh, your suffering seems different than mine. Help me to understand that. Help me to come from this place of assured depth of silence that permeates everything everywhere throughout the universe. How do I respond to my sister or my brother and understand them, not simply an intellectual understanding, which is always only a piece, but it's a deeper connection, even deeper than feelings and thoughts. It's deeper than that, and we begin to connect with that other living entity in that way. That's compassion. Mm. So what that makes me think of is one of the benefits of the group, maybe the benefit of the group, is that when I show up and I, I practice with the group, that I'm going to be more loving and aligned with myself, that I'm going to be more empathetic and connected with the people in the room and mm -hmm. that that process of being with myself and being with others immediately changes the way I live my life in the wider world That's and the way that I receive what's coming into me from the wide, wider world and what I am able to give out. I would certainly say that that is the intent of why we're doing this, one of the major intents. Um, I wanted to comment on something that Phil said a moment ago about suffering and all, and um, how it is life. It is part of, of why we are here, to, to feel, to experience this, and how do we resolve that within our own beingness. Um, one of the things that I've learned and that has come much easier, simpler, I would say, uh, through the years of, of meditation or going into the silence, whatever we want to call that, is that it allows, it, it seems like there's been something that's grown inside of me that is the ability to accept whatever it is that I'm being confronted with by the world. Mm to just simply accept it and in that very act of being able to accept it and tell myself I don't have to judge this I can simply say that right now I'm feeling whatever it is I'm feeling I'm right now I'm feeling uncomfortable and I accept the fact that I'm uncomfortable because prior to going into the stillness and the silence if there was ever anything in the world that was uncomfortable for me, I did not want to accept it. Right. And you I would constantly, it. exactly, I would try to control it, I would try to resist it, and, and the more I would resist it, the more it became adversarial in my world. Either that or we don't re resist it and let it eat us alive. Yes. Exactly. Right. Or we bury it, exactly. Yeah. So mm. part of the gift of learning and taking the time to go into that other part of our being, of ourself, of who we are, 
is that we begin to respond to the world instead of react to the world. Um, The reaction to me, I kind of connotate it like reaction is knee-jerk. It's that old default system that I'm going to immediately be uncomfortable, so I'm immediately going to get upset, so I'm immediately going to get angry, I'm going to try to start controlling. Whereas responding to the world is, to me, that's responsibility, the ability to respond appropriately. Mm -hmm. Responding to the world allows me to say, I accept this is what's happening right now, and I feel real uncomfortable. What is the best way for me to handle it? Perhaps get more information. And therein, my curiosity is piqued. And therein, how can I do this from a place of love and inclusiveness rather than from a place of fear and push it away from me? Yeah. So um, that's one of the gifts that I believe we all get at some level. You might not use those same words, but it's, it's a difference in how we perceive yeah. our world of form around us and what's happening in it. And to me, that is a definite raising in consciousness from where I used to be. Yeah. And if it's true for me, it's, I'm not unusual, I'm not special. <laughs> you know, it's true for all of us that this is where we connect. This is a truth for all of us. And just by being willing to go there, I think we all become potentially become the peacemakers and peacekeepers that in our deepest soul we want to be. Mm, I would beautiful. say in, in, in part that's it's the inevitable manifestation of silence. Why is there not just nothing? Um, there is a benevolent creative impulse that we experience and people often experience in these groups a, a, a lot of sense of this radical acceptance and inclusiveness mm, mm-hmm. that because we're we're not judging we're not uh, reacting that there's simply a sense of holding and this openness this container of silence that holds everything and the more and more we acknowledge that as our essential self People, people often will feel in these, often, not always, but often feel in these, a great sense of being loved, a great sense mm-hmm. of being loved on, and mm-hmm. how really beautiful they are, and how really beautiful life is with all of its vagaries, again, compassion, again, with all of its difficulties, both externally and internally. Right. The hardest things, of course, to deal with are when we get quiet and are just present to ourselves is all the goofy stuff that we generate within, (laughs) all the fear, all the judgments, all the expectations. And we learn that in this supposed voidness that nothingness is not the absence of everything. Silence is not uh, the absence of sound sound emerges from silence and we actually oh that is true that is real there is a silence up under this so as people begin to experience that more it becomes easier to be compassionate to feel that connection on a more moment by moment basis and as i said earlier again none of us do that well all the time that's the nature of this existence we get on 285 and we understand (laughs) that we're not always going to be in that place 
And yeah, yeah, when a big truck is barreling down on you, your reptilian brain is going to fire. Hopefully, though, we move and we consciously and intentionally co-create our reality by moving toward this deep essence of ourselves, which is benevolence. So people begin to experience that more and more in these groups, that silence and being present is ultimately grounded in something that, for lack of a better word, we'll call love. Yeah. Or compassion. Yeah. Speaking of love, let me ask each of you, what is your favorite part of working with the other? Oh, wow. Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely adore working with Phil and have for the last 20 years. There, there seems to be... Phil is highly, highly intelligent, as I'm sure many of our listeners can tell by this podcast. Um, and I really respect and appreciate that. What I find working with Phil that is so wonderful for me is he will say things that cause within me these little mini epiphanies that I'll go, oh, yeah, that's that's like da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> and that stimulates me. It stimulates me to um, want to experience even more what else is there um, and this is from a man that I've known for 20 years and we developed a, a friendship from sitting opposite one another in a shamanic circle 20 years ago. Mm. And we both happened mm. to be drummers so we would often drum with one another's rhythm. And we, that's how we first connected which that in and of itself is not mainstream. <laughs> so I knew there had to be something kind of special here. But it's been really, really wonderful through the years. He's become a brother, a confidant, a, a dear, dear friend. And there's just this beautiful flow when I'm with him of remembering that we are here, we are connected, we are one. Um, as well as I want to say one more thing, Phil is not afraid to go into the shadow side of himself. And when I first met him, I really wasn't a whole person. It's like this form versus uh, nothingness world. It's, we have to have both because that's what makes up the whole. We can't have one without the other. And I was always, I only want to look at the part of me that's light. I only want to look <laughs> at the part of me that's good. I don't want to look at my shadow. And Phil, by his very nature, by his very way of being, made it so easy to go, you know, the shadow is no bigger than or scarier than any other part of yourself. And if you don't look at it, it'll probably come up and bite you in the butt, Elizabeth. <laughs> so you might as well look at it, learn to accept it as a part of who you are, a part of your truth, learn to not judge it. And when I started allowing that to happen within me, I found myself getting far less judgmental of other people mm. as well outside of me. And I attune a lot of that to my relationship with this man. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful for it and feel very blessed that our paths have crossed in this life. Yeah, so sweet. <laughs> now I'm embarrassed. Yeah. So I, I think Elizabeth has hit on some real high points in terms of how we got connected. 
And I think the, the evolution of that has been really sweet, just to, to be present with one another and uh, to not push the river. We've done lots of circles and lots of uh, seasonal kinds of things, uh, full moons, um, those kinds of things together. We've done gender uh, retreats together. Um, and, and we've done a lot of, of ceremony and been real good confidants for each other. And I think the thing about, there, there are so many things about Elizabeth. The, the integrity that you have about the light it's, uh, and your courage uh, with um, standing in the truth that the universe conspired over eight billion years of existence to Elizabeth Katona, that, you know, life, the universe needed that, and how you do that uh, in particular is, is very deep and very profound, and I, and I really respect and admire that, and I've learned a lot about standing in my own truth uh, from you in that regard. There are very few people. I'm 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 pretty Western in that regard. I'm I wouldn't say cynical, but I'm skeptical a good bit about a lot of things unseen, um, and I, part of that is Western cultural programming. Having said that, your relationship with the unseen and how you talk about it has been so deeply influential in my own life in terms of the trust that I've built with that. And that's very profoundly important for me in my life story and where I come from. Um, there, there are not a whole lot of people I can, I can trust in that regard. There are a lot of charlatans in this work. There are a lot of people operating um, out of... Um, and we're Americans, we're Western, we, we like to make money off this stuff. And, and a lot of people are doing that. And I'm just uh, so impressed with your integrity around that. The other thing, I love my time with you because there's always challenge and there's always humor about whatever this is we're doing here in this life. And whatever it is you and I are doing at the moment, there's always humor, and there's always humor in our groups. Uh, we're both, um, you have a light and optimistic outlook on life, and I have a coyote tripping over himself, <laughs> medicine humor outlook uh, on life. And so, yeah, it's just a privilege when you, when you stumble into folks and it's, I extend that to you, Debony, and, and, and Zeitgeist, oh, and how things begin to come together. And the more we are simply open and operating from that place of, of silence and presence, then we get people like Elizabeth in our lives. And it's very exciting, and the Debonies in our lives. So it's very exciting. Outstanding. Great time to be alive and to be an earthling. It is. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but back back to the whole, right? And right. back to seeing it well, from the perspective, and the big picture. That's yeah. a very valid perspective and experience. Right. Of course it doesn't feel 
And I'm not simply my feelings or my thoughts or my beliefs or my expectations or my political opinions or my religious beliefs about all that. Once I can hold those things gently and I can allow the silence, excuse me, I can allow the silence really to be the essential piece that is large enough, that has the capacity for holding that, then a lot of the sort of heaviness, the negativity, um, falls away. That's part of what I feel when I'm with you. I, mm. A lot of the negativity and heaviness begins to fall away, and I feel light, enlightened, just mm -hmm. by being with you. Oh. It's good stuff. Bless you for saying that, and my response to that would be, thank you, great all that is, for blessing me oh. with this ability because that's kind of like why I feel like I'm here why we're all here is to help help remind each other the greater truth and not the truth that we've the quote truth with uh, apostrophes around it that we've been told is true right. but to go back into the greater truth which ties back in nicely with what going into the stillness and being present is about. We can only find our truth when we are present and when we are still both and. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we are present with whatever is happening right now, whoever is in front of us right now, whatever is in front of us, and we are willing to be still and ask, what stillness do you want me to know right now in this situation? Hmm. And therein lies what we like to call miracles if we don't understand hmm. how the stillness works. <laughs> yeah. You know? And not that I understand all of how the stillness works, but I do know that going into the stillness or the light, which is how I see stillness, um, that going into that is where I will much more quickly, much more clarity-wise, I will get the answers that I'm seeking, even those answers to the questions that I'm too ignorant to know to ask. Hmm. I will get more than that. So I, I really think it's going to be a wonderful gathering. It's something that Phil and I have talked about doing for quite some time now, and, hmm. and we are doing it. and. I'm very excited, and you asked early on about, you know, what does the group look like? And Phil gave a very wonderful answer to that. And the piece that I would add to that is that our experience there is going to wholly depend upon, wholly, H-O-L-Y, as well as W-H-O-L-E-Y, um, L-Y, I should say, wholly depend upon who is there, because every one of us Yes, we are all connected, and each of us, and I believe this, know this in the very core of my being, has been gifted with a special gift or blessing to give back to the earth here. And, and I anxiously look forward to finding what everyone's gift is as we share together in our circle. and. Um, yeah, just remind each other of what we've forgotten 
and accept and allow each other to be who we are and to be wrestling with whatever we're, whatever we're wrestling with. Yeah. So, so I, I really share your excitement and enthusiasm about it. I'm, I'm very, very uh, looking forward to it personally and also for the organization. You know, I think, you. I think this is a big deal. Well, thank you. So um, as people are, are listening to the podcast, I would suggest, you know, if you feel a sense, if something inside of you seems to be saying, mm-hmm. this is the right thing for me, that might be interesting information for you to sit with. <laughs> um, and if you decide that this is something that you want to do, I'm going to throw it back to you, Elizabeth, to let people know, how can I sign up and get whatever information I need to, uh, to get together? Okay. Um, what you can do is contact me at my email address, which is ekatona, and that's spelt E-K-A-T-O-N-A 1103 at gmail.com or you can phone me if you have any questions, um, any inquiries whatsoever about the class or when, where, and how um, at 770-879-5755 or you can go to your website and see the information in the flyer that is has been designed that is there on the website called Presence and Silence. There you go, and that's at zgatl.org. Thanks so much for your time today, folks, and uh, thank you for the effort in uh, presence that you will bring to the group itself. So get out your calendars, folks. Mark those for the third Friday of each month. This is an ongoing group, but the first one will be Friday, February 21st at 6.30. Correct? Correct. Okay. Thanks again, guys. We will look forward to seeing you there. Thank Thank you, you, Devin. Peace. Wow.